underground rail system in the world. 1920, a big day, Mike. Marconi, Fessenden, and DeForest were all the catalysts. However, it was an engineer for Westinghouse Electric who back in 1916 was broadcast, 1916 was broadcasting music from his garage in a suburb of Pittsburgh, Wilkinsburg, over a wireless amateur radio station, 8XK, that really got the whole thing started. Now, a newspaper article about the broadcast caused such interest that the head honchos at Westinghouse decided to build a real radio station. It took until this day, 1920, for the Westinghouse radio station to receive a license to broadcast the license for, yes, you guessed it, Mike already knew this, KDKA in Pittsburgh, came from the U.S. Department of Commerce. Although the license was officially issued on this day, it took a week for the license to get there and get posted So it wasn't until a week later that they went on the air. And on November 2nd, 1920, the station aired the returns of the Harding-Cox election, the first radio programming to reach an audience, really, of just about any size. That's a look at some of Today in History here on 89.3 FM WMKV, along with Mike Martini. I'm George Zahn. Thank you, George. And in traffic right now... We have accident East Kemper at Reading, Spring Grove at Winton, Hamilton at Springlawn, 2900 block of Queen City, uh, Linwood at Duncan, and Corbley at Beachmont. Uh, an earlier accident, South 75 at Shepherd's, been cleaned up. Your forecast tonight, partly cloudy skies, uh, low of 42. Tomorrow, much cooler than today. Tomorrow's high temperature, only 52, with a few clouds. Friday, a high temperature of only 55. Uh, there's possibility of some frost tomorrow night and also Friday night. Saturday, it'll warm up to about 62, and Sunday, about 65. And then looking ahead to next week, highs mainly in the 60s and 50s. Right now, we are right around 69 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV, where real-life real estate investing comes your way right after this. Support comes from The Standard, providing insurance, retirement, investment, and advice for more than 100 years. The Standard, helping individuals create a secure financial future. More information at standard.com. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is... Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And today, being the last Wednesday of the month, is also question and answer week, which means we have no show unless you call in with your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Literally, folks, there is no program without your questions. I have exactly two questions from prior 
question and answer week saved up here that uh, I can talk about for the first few minutes of the program. But uh, other than that, I also uh, have nothing else to say. So 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. One of my real estate investing colleagues was good enough last week to send me an email that included an article that said that uh, about 60% of Americans are currently living paycheck to paycheck. And the uh, the article was uh, meant to explain why folks aren't spending money on real estate education products. But uh, it got me to thinking about all those people out there who at the end of every month have more bills than they have money left over. And so along with our question and answer week today, we are going to cover the top five ways to stop living paycheck to paycheck. And that is, of course, taking into account that if you're already living paycheck to paycheck, you probably don't have a great big chunk of savings sitting around and even if you did, you probably wouldn't necessarily want to dig into that to, I don't know, start your real estate career. So throughout the show today, along with your questions, of course, I'll talk to you about five ways that with very little money or credit, or at least money or credit of your own, or at least in the traditional sense, you can stop living paycheck to paycheck through real estate investing. Because sadly, of course, when we get into this position where money is tight, we tend to hunker down and and try and hold on to it and try to try to keep keep as much cash around as we possibly can and it, it's it's difficult sometimes when you're in a situation where your bills are bigger than your paycheck to th- even think about something like going out and buying a piece of real estate and even if you do think about it it's hard to get motivated to do it and stay brave to do it. So our number five way to stop living paycheck to paycheck is learn about creative financing and go buy yourself a rental property, particularly if you live in the Midwest, because we are seeing deals here that you would not believe in terms of what you can pay for a rental property versus what kind of true after all expenses, including maintenance and vacancy and repairs and all that kind of stuff you can make in some of these properties. Uh, It's very common here in the Cincinnati area and of course in Indianapolis and uh, Columbus and, you know, Memphis and, you know, throughout, throughout flyover country to find properties that you can purchase for under $15,000 and then put maybe a few thousand dollars into paint and cleanup and furnace maintenance and things like that, and rent these properties at net positive cash flows of two to three hundred dollars per month. Would would that help you a little bit at the end of the month to have an extra two to three hundred dollars per month? And I'm talking after you set aside reserves to take care of when the tenant moves out and you have to put in new carpet and paint. So the question though is if you don't have the $15,000, then what? And the answer is learn how to negotiate owner financing. It is sort of the wave of the past that owners 
finance their properties to sell them. And it is, of course, the wave of the future as well, because for all you folks who can't get financing to buy a property, for every one of you that would buy a property, if you could just get the financing, there's a seller who would sell if you could just get the financing. And what these sellers are starting to learn is that if they can carry payments, if they can let you pay them a little bit at a time instead of all at once, they can sell their properties. And that's the only way they can sell their properties. So seller finance deals have already increased like fivefold in the last three to five years. And by 2015, my guess is that a very large measurable percentage of all deals and particularly investor deals will be done through creative finance. So are we going to do a whole show on creative finance? I'm sure we'll do several out here in the future. But uh, in the meantime, you want to do some research, look up owner financing, look up seller held mortgages, look up buying subject to the existing loan, look up joint ventures. There's all sorts of ways to get into these properties with practically no money and then a little bit of elbow grease to get in there and paint them and clean them up and sometimes hang some drywall and pull out a furnace motor and put one back in, that sort of thing. You can do that. Of course, the other thing you're going to need to know in order to successfully own rental properties is how to own rental properties. And that's a matter of learning how to screen tenants, manage, etc. The uh, demand for rentals is up hugely in the past two years due to, of course, the huge foreclosure market. So our number five way to stop living paycheck to paycheck is learn about creative financing, go buy a rental. If one can add 300 bucks a month to your bank account, 10 could add 3000 a month to your bank account. And it's not that much tougher to buy 10 than it is to buy one once you understand how to do that. A uh, question that has come in from Jason in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, actually, there are several questions. So we're going to answer one of them and then maybe take a break, come back and get the other ones. Uh, his first question is about creative finance. He says, how do I do a lease option on a property that already has a tenant in it? Now, Jason, my 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 guess is that because the re remainder of your questions are, are about making offers on properties and buying them, that when you say, how do I do a lease option on a property that already has a tenant in it, what you're asking is, how do you buy a property on lease option if the property already has a tenant in it? And the answer is, it's no problem for you to lease a property with an option to buy that already has a tenant in it. You're just doing it subject to that tenant's lease. And of course, you want to make sure your monthly payments are significantly lower than whatever the tenant is paying. Now, the usual exit strategy when you buy a property on lease option is to sell the property on lease option. And uh, you're going to have to wait until the tenant moves out in order to be able to do that or talk that tenant into buying a lease option, which is going to mean that they are going to have to give you an option fee. When you buy a property with a tenant in it, you get the security deposit at the closing, even if you are, quote, buying it on lease option. So his security deposit plus what would equal an option fee is the question that you have to ask yourself. It's unusual for tenants who are renting to convert to a lease option once they are already in a property, but that is one possibility. This is Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's question and answer week. Send me some questions so that we actually have a show. 772-9658, 877-772-9658, or askvina at gmail.com. 
Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Checking on traffic right now, we have a couple of uh, new problems to talk about, including an accident in the 3300 block of Glenmore near Daytona over in the Western Hills area. Also an accident eastbound 275 east of Kentucky 16. That's at the Licking River Bridge. The right lane is blocked. Accident Spring Grove at Winton, Hamilton at Spring Lawn. Also 2900 block of Queen City with injuries. Linwood at Duncan, Corbley at Beachmont and slowdowns northbound 71 off and on at Smith. Southbound 71 heavy at Redding. North 75 slows at Hopple. South 75, of course, approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. Tonight, partly cloudy skies, a low of 42. And tomorrow, a high of only 52 degrees with partly cloudy skies. Some frost possible Thursday night and Friday night. Friday's high, 55. Saturday and Sunday looks like we'll be back into the lower 60s again. Right now, we're at 68 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from the Taft Museum of Art. Now on view, American Elegance, chintz applique quilt 1780 to 1850. Colorful and intricate quilted artworks made in America. These distinctive works made by inventive women who cut flowers, birds, and animals from beautiful fabric to craft these quilts offer a glimpse into the quilt makers' lives and society. More information at taftmuseum.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's the last Wednesday of the month, which means, as always, it is question and answer week, which means, as always, I didn't really walk in here with a topic. It's uh, more of a matter of what do you want to know? Any question that you have about real estate investing, whether it's buying, selling, financing, renting, wholesaling, retailing, whatever the question may be, give us a call at 772-9658 if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're outside the greater Cincinnati area, you can call us toll-free at 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Uh, I was working on some questions here that were asked by Jason in Cleveland before we got off on the topic of the break. Jason's second question is, how do I evaluate or make offers on a property I want to wholesale that already has a tenant in it? <laughs> little obsessed with tenants, are we, Jason? Uh, the evaluation is pretty much the same as it would be with any property. You have to get inside. You have to figure out what the ARV is. You have to figure out what the repair costs might be, etc. I think, uh, and of course, the offer making process is the same. You're not going to offer any more or less just because it has a tenant in it. However, the process of selling it before you close gets a little complex with tenants involved because obviously you don't want to send 10 different buyers over to knock on their doors and let themselves in. Generally, the way we handle that is, number one, we talk to the tenant and we say, you know, we may have some people that need to come over here, look at the furnace, look at the condition of that property, et cetera. And I know it's a big pain in the butt, but hey, if you'll, if you'll let me give you a call and I, I won't do it too often, uh, I'll, I'll try and, you know, if I need two people to come through, I'll try and get them to come through at the same time. I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks every time you have to open the door for them. And typically that 
solves the problem of, of access. Uh, also, with properties with tenants in them, we always ask our buyers to drive by them first, make sure that they are interested in it before they make an appointment. And of course, to uh, look at them in twos and threes. I always want to meet the buyers over there and you know, meet them for an hour between one and two on Saturday or something and let several people through all at once. Jason's third question, how do I make offers on properties with a selling price of 15000 and under from private sellers that need major rehab? Now, I'm assuming you are, in fact, saying that the properties need rehab, Jason, not the sellers needing rehab, although that probably is a cause of motivation. If I were to take into consideration the repairs, minus buying at 60%, minus holding costs, minus my wholesale fee, my offer would be pretty low, if not almost asking them to give the property to me for free. How do I justify my due diligence and offer amount? Well, Jason, you know, you're actually going to be in this situation quite a bit in this market because properties that need a lot of repairs and uh, particularly those that are in rental neighborhoods do have to be bought at 60 cents on the dollar, minus repair costs, minus your wholesale fee. Now, holding costs in a in a rental neighborhood are uh, pretty minimal because you're not looking you're you're not looking for a buyer who's going to resell that property and it's going to take 6 months to do it really. So, uh yeah, here's what you do. You suck it up like this. <gasps> And then you make that offer of a thousand or two thousand dollars because that's sometimes what the number comes out at, and you can't offer more than that. If you if you offer more, you're just going to get yourself in a position where you've got a property you can't wholesale. Uh, trust me, I'm making a lot of thousand dollar offers these days. In fact, three days ago I had one accepted on a four family. If you can believe that, see flyover country. You really want to. Uh, make those offers because sometimes they work for the seller and sometimes they don't. But the fact that you think it might not work doesn't mean that you get to raise your offer because that's just a bad idea. Real life real estate investing, it's question and answer week. It's the last Wednesday of the month. And that means that uh, you need to send some questions this way because uh, you ask better questions than I can come up with anyway. And uh, plus, you might just get that answer you've been looking for. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. The same time in between questions, we're covering the five ways that you can stop living paycheck to paycheck. And we're, we're, we're talking about some some fairly non-threatening, non-money intensive stuff here. The number four way, because we are counting backwards from five, of course, to stop living paycheck to paycheck, add a little extra money to your life is to use your 401k. One of the issues that was addressed in this article that made all this, uh, come to my attention was that people are making smaller and smaller contributions to their 401k in order to have more cash. If you have one of those 401ks, and particularly if it's if it's still active, if you haven't left the the job, you might want to check with your with your IR with the with the folks who uh, I keep wanting to say IRA custodian because that's what I'm used to dealing with, with your 401k administrator 
and ask if you can borrow money from your 401k in order to purchase and or rehab an investment property. Now, most 401ks allow you to take money out for the purpose of a down payment on your own home, but you'd be surprised how many of them will let you take out money to buy and in some cases also renovate a rental property. And when you're talking about the the sort of numbers that we're seeing in this part of the country where you can be like completely 100% all in on a four or five bedroom home for 40 to $45,000. And I've even seen it done for, done for less than that, 35. And then that property is renting for 925 a month. That's probably a higher return than what you're getting in your 401k currently. And of course, if you can borrow the money, fix up the property refinance it to pull the 401k money back out and pay it back, you're going to have some, again, big cash flow, especially at today's interest rates. If you qualify for a Fannie Mae loan and you're not getting one today, you're, you're, you're insane, frankly. And I'm, and, and I'm, by the way, extremely jealous of you if you have the, if you have all the requirements for a Fannie Mae loan, like, you know, a job and a 640 plus credit score and a job and, 20% down. Although if you refinance Fannie Mae because you bought the property and you fix it up with your 401k money and then you waited a year and then you refinance it, you're not going to need 20% down as long as the value of the property is 20% more than what the, uh, what you got in it. You pay back your 401k, you have a 4.8% fixed rate loan for 30 years. And again, potentially be adding 200, 300, even $400 a month cash flow. So it's question and answer week on real life real estate investing. We are starting to have some questions coming in via askvina at gmail.com. I should have mentioned, if you are sending us an email, please let us know where you are writing from. I just got an email from Matt in southeastern Pennsylvania, west of Philly. (laughs) He says, what is the cheapest way to find wholesale and subject to deals? Is it signs or direct mail? What does it typically cost to find a wholesale or a subject to deal in your market? Well, Matt, I got to tell you, the deals that I'm finding that are that are subject to deals and the deals that I'm finding that are wholesale deals are on opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm not I'm not seeing a deal that could go either way. I'm seeing a deal that needs so much work that it's and 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 you know the 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 property's paid off or it's a short sale or something of that nature that's going to be a wholesale deal. And then I see the properties that don't need any work or don't need much work, maybe paint or something like that, that the owner owes 80 cents on the dollar of current value on, but he's got a good fixed rate loan and of course that's going to be a subject to deal. And I'm kind of finding those in very different ways, honestly. Um, the cheapest way to find wholesale deals is probably still direct mail. Uh, and, and let me, let me, let me put a little caveat on that and say it depends a little bit on how available public record is, how public records are in your particular county. Uh, here in Hamilton County, we are extremely lucky. Uh, pretty much anything you would want to know about anybody at any time is not only online, it's easily accessible and sorted. So if you want foreclosures, you just go to the 
court clerk website and page through it, and there's just foreclosure after foreclosure after foreclosure. In northern Kentucky, by contrast, which is right across the river from us and is also an area where I've bought properties in the past, the public records are impossible to get to. They're barely online. What is online is very spotty, and the folks at the courthouse aren't real willing to give you access to their files or their computers. Why am I making this point? Well, in Hamilton County, where I live, bandit signs? Yeah. You know, do they work? Yeah. Do people call you? Yeah. In northern Kentucky, they work like magic because the folks in northern Kentucky who are in foreclosure or who've inherited a property or getting a divorce or whatever are not getting mail in their mailbox because no one can find them. So they're sitting there at the corner at the stoplight looking up at the telephone pole, seeing the sign that says, avoid foreclosure or I buy houses. And they're saying to themselves, I need to call that right now. That could be a solution to my problem. Where over here in Hamilton County, they've already, if they're in foreclosure, they've already gotten 600 postcards almost before the ink dries on the paper. So that's part of my experience there is based on where I do most of my marketing. But I'll tell you the humble postcard Matt, for wholesale deals is one of the most powerful things you can use. If you've got a good message and you're sending it to the right list, you can get 10 to 20% returns, and by that I mean response rates, on a postcard right now. Um, the, just, just you know, what, 27 cents to mail it and uh, 2 cents to print it maybe, 29 cents to mail it and, you know, 2, 3 cents to to print it. Um, our cost per lead on wholesale deals, I mean, we do a bunch of different things, obviously, to get those, but it probably it probably ranges around 30 or $35 if you took all of the different methods together. But for letters and postcards, our cost per lead is, it's, it's five bucks. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing. Now, of course, cost per lead is not the same thing as cost per deal, but that gives you some idea. Now, subject to deals, a little bit different. Um, I've talked to some folks who've had really good luck with the bandit line, bandit signs that specifically say, we buy houses, we take over payments, as opposed to just we buy houses, all cash, any condition. And uh, more importantly, are putting those signs up in newer neighborhoods, newer developments that are you know, four years old or less, because those folks... Um, tend to have good low fixed rate loans because the builder bought them good low fixed rate loans. And they're tending to get to the point now where their taxes have adjusted and they need to they need to move because they can no longer afford even their good sometimes three or three and a half percent fixed rate loans. Uh, we've gotten a lot of leads on subject two deals out of our yellow pages ad. Now that's not a cheap way to do it. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, probably for subject to deals, the question being, what's the cheapest way to find deals? The answer is probably those bandit signs. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to take a quick break, then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Didi, who's calling, uh, I believe, from Cincinnati. We'll be back right after this. Support comes from the Culping Society, presenting their Wine Fest on Saturday, November 6th. The evening includes an original roll-it-in dinner with all the trimmings, a bottle of wine, beer, soft drinks, and more, then dancing to the music of the Alpen Echoes. Dinner at 7 p.m., dancing at 8.30. Reservations taken at 777-1191. More information available at culpingcincinnati.com. Checking on traffic right now. We have an accident southbound 75 south of Shepherd. That's on the right shoulder this time. 
There was one earlier on the left shoulder. Northbound 71 north of Smith and northbound 71 north of Ken or Norwood Lateral on the right shoulder, uh, which is about in the same area. It could be the same accident. Eastbound 275 at Kentucky 16 at the Licking River Bridge. Right lane is blocked. U.S. 42 south of Fields Ertle. And a little heavier than usual, eastbound 275 at Montgomery. Your forecast tonight, partly cloudy, low of 42. Uh, a few clouds tomorrow, high of 52, high of 55 Friday, and high of 62 on Saturday. Right now we're at 68 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Pain, stiffness, or swelling in a joint, bone, or muscle may be a sign of arthritis, and there are more than 100 types, including osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. Early and correct diagnosis can help treatment. More information about a diagnosis, protecting your joints, and a treatment plan is available at Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine at 513-985-3700. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's question and answer week. And, uh, that means that we are taking your questions by phone at 772-9658 or if you're outside the greater Cincinnati area, toll free at 877-772-9658 or by email at askvina at gmail.com. Now we're going to go to the phones and talk to Dee from Cincinnati. Dee welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. I listen to your show religiously every week <laughs> and I have, I have some questions. Um, first of all, I'm interested in finding um, someone who's interested in the, I think it's the owner financing, um, because I have, um, I do not have good credit at this point in my life, but I do have money. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be able to get a mortgage on my own, but I would be interested in buying some property. Mm-hmm. What would be a good avenue? Well, Dee Dee, are, are, are you looking for investment property or you're looking for a home to move into? I would really like if I could get a two-family because, you know, I'm in retirement age. So if I could get a two-family, something where I could generate income and live in it, nice. that's kind of what I would be looking for. Okay. Well, Dee, I'll tell you, any way that you would normally find a property mm-hmm. except, except through the MLS, it is still a bit of a challenge to convince a real estate agent that owner financing might be the very best thing for their owner who's had their house on the market for three years and hasn't been able to sell it. But but I got to tell you, the owner who's who's more typically had their house on the market for months and months and months and hasn't been able to sell it, you're going to find that, that something like one out of 10 to one out of 20 of them are extremely open to the idea if you can explain it to them in such a way that they understand that, number one, they're going to be protected. You know, a lot of a lot of them seem to think that if you say, all right, what I want to do is I want to give you 5000 now and I want to give you $900 a month for the next five years, that somehow that's like a personal loan. And like mm-hmm. if you don't pay just too bad for them, they don't realize that there's a mortgage backing this up and, you know, they're, they're, they, they have legal rights if you don't pay and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that sort of stuff. So you, you kind of have to, here, here's the order of things. First, learn about the different creative finance strategies, like the the owner-held mortgage, which is really most appropriate when the property's paid off already. And then the subject two, which is actually the the more common thing that's happening right now, because Mm -hmm. uh, only only one out of four people has their property paid off. So you're going to find more people that it's not paid off than that it is. Right. So, So that would be step number one. Uh, are, are you coming to the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Convention, Dee Dee? 
No, but I probably could. When when are the meetings? Yeah, you 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 should. Well, actually, this is this is a one three day event. Okay. Oh. And and it's happening on November the eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. It's in Dayton. It's real close by. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you can you can learn more about it by going to wmkvfm.org. dot org. Wmkvfm yeah, and if you go down about halfway down that front page, you'll see a link that says uh, "Click here to learn more about the OREA convention." Okay, okay? it's ninety nine bucks to come. That's three okay. days, and there's there's the reason I the reason I asked that is there's like three speakers there who are covering various aspects of this, mm-hmm. and and it, you know, be be a good place to kind of hear a lot of it all at once. Okay. So that you understood how to proceed on this. Okay. So that's number one is kind of kind of know what the strategy is because you you knowing it and being able to explain it is going to help the seller be able to see how it's good for him. You understand what I'm saying? Right. The second thing is before you go out and start negotiating these things, I would like you to sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and say, "This is what I can do, and this is what I'm not willing to do." So, uh, you know, I, I want—I I, mean, I am looking for a two-family. Uh, I want it in these certain neighborhoods. I want at least one unit to have however many bedrooms you want, mm-hmm. right? Because there's there's tons of two families around Cincinnati that are that are they're two one-bedroom apartments. Right. So, but there's also, you know, there's also ones that are like, you know, two twos or one and a two. And you mm-hmm. want to be looking for the right property is what I'm saying. Right. Right. Figure out what you can comfortably pay per month. And that has to be principal interest taxes and insurance. Because you, if you say, if you say, all right, I can, I can pay up to a thousand dollars a month. You have to figure that really only about 650 or 700 of that is going to go to the seller. Okay. And the rest is going to be taxes and insurance. What, I, what I'm trying to get you to do here, Dee Dee, is avoid falling into a trap that people sometimes do when they learn about creative finance, which is they get so excited by a seller who says yes to it that they then go and make a bad deal. <laughs> because right, right. Because you want to make a deal that you can keep. Exactly. You want, you want, yeah. you want one that you can live with and that actually matches. Yeah. With, so we're, we're setting some limits here. Now, what, yeah. you, what you may find is that before you run across that deal that you want to live in, mm-hmm. you might find a couple that it's not your ideal house, but the seller is willing to do it. Property you'd make money as a rental. Mm-hmm. So you go ahead and do the deal <laughs> because it's going to make money. And right. then, then you find the one you want to live in. I'm just saying set some limits up front. Because yeah, I, because ultimately I would like to at least have a piece of property that supplements my retirement income. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a great uh, idea. I was, you know, I was listening to you earlier, and you said there were lots of properties available for under fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Well, are these properties that I would be able to buy maybe with ten thousand dollars down, or five thousand dollars down, or and then fix it up? Well, the properties that are that cheap, that are in that fifteen thousand dollar range, mm-hmm. what you're going to do is you're going to buy those no money down. Okay. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna tell the seller, look, <laughs> you got a problem here, and I'm willing to take it on. However. I need to not give you any money up front. Uh, I'm going to give you money every month, but I can't give you any, any money up front. And here's why I say that, Dee Dee. A property that you can get for $15,000 mm-hmm. is going to need work. Okay. It's not going to be something that you could move into right away. It's going to ha- it, right. th- In other words, the cash that you have is going to go into repairs right. as opposed to upfront money. Right. Now, one other piece of advice I'm going to give you, Dee Dee. So, so, mm-hmm. so piece of advice number one is learn about the the strategies themselves and how you put them on paper and all that kind of stuff. And OREA is a great place to do that. Step number two is sit down and say, 
in my perfect world, the house I would live in mm-hmm. is going to be this much per month and it's going to have this many bedrooms and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. step number three is forget you have any money. Okay. Because the, pro- the the problem is, because you have that money to put down, you're going to be looking to you're going to be looking to put it down. You're going to you're going to be like looking for the seller who wants five or ten thousand dollars down. And they would all love to have five to ten thousand dollars down, but <laughs> most of them will do the deal for a lot less than that. Okay. We 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 bought a property two weeks ago, Dee Dee. That was it was one thousand dollars down, and that was just to cover the seller's costs and tax ration and realtor commission, all that kind of stuff. No payments until January 1st. So the deal, the deal happened in October, no payments for two months. And then when the payments did start, they're $200 a month for five years. But don't you, didn't you have to have exceptional credit to get that kind of deal? No, (laughs) ma'am. No, here, here's the thing. Sellers do not do these deals with you because you're like, you know, the great credit, you have the great credit score, or you have the great job or whatever. They don't even check. Now, should they? Yeah, they probably should check people's credit, but they don't have any way to do that because they're just sellers. They're not, they're not banks, you know. The reason they do it is because, number one, they trust you because you've sat with them and explained what the benefits are and explained how you're going to help them and so on taking time to answer their questions. That's important. Number two, because you are going to protect them by giving them a first mortgage or in the case of a subject to deal, there's other things that you do to make sure that, hey, if something happened to you and your payments stopped coming in, they can get their house back. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're protecting them and they trust you. It's not that they're running off and looking at your credit report. In, in 20 years, I've been doing this for 20 years, Dee Dee. And back back in the in the early 1990s, when I first started, one out of four deals we did were seller finance deals of some sort because was there money available? Yeah, you could get a loan if you didn't mind paying 16% interest for it. And no, nobody, you couldn't make a property cash flow at 16% interest. So about one out of four deals I did. Now think about this. I was 23. Shoot, I just gave away my age. I was 23. I had... I was just out of college. I had like $70,000 in debt from college. I made $18,000 a year. No bank would have touched me with a 10-foot pole. And yet one out of four deals I was doing was seller financing. Wow. Well, is, how, do you, how do you contact or, or know who the seller financers are? I mean, is there a list? How do you do you go on some kind of, of site and find these people? I mean, how do you do that? I wish. You- I wish. Um, no, that's not the, that's not that's not quite the way it works. Um, this is what I would do. After you've done your first two steps, mm-hmm. uh, I would go to someplace like Craigslist. Oh, okay. And you're not just looking for houses that are for sale. This is important. Pay attention. You're looking for houses that are for rent. Because what's happening right now to a lot of sellers is they, they want to sell their home, right? <clears throat> they've, mm-hmm. they've typically already moved out because they bought another home. Right. But because the market was so slow, they, 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 they didn't sell and didn't sell and didn't sell. And so they said, you know what? We've got to rent this house. What they didn't think of was, oh, we could sell it with owner financing. Why didn't they think of that? Because they're not you. They're, they're, right. they're stuck out in that right. world of, there's only two things you do to a house. You rent it or you sell it. They, they, don't, they don't know that there's this in-between thing that's probably better for them. Because I got to tell you, 
a lot of the calls that I get from desperate sellers are people mm-hmm. who did what I just said. They moved out of their house. They put a tenant in it. And then they stuck. Oh, they didn't know how to screen them. <laughs> they didn't. They don't wow. know how to collect their rents. It's six months later. They've collected one month worth of rents. Their tenants have destroyed the house. I mean, it's a bad idea for most people to, to run a property who haven't had any training in how to do that. So if you were to call those folks and just say, hey, I was, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a place to live. I noticed you had a place for rent. I was wondering if you would sell it to me on payments. You'd be surprised. Wow. You'd be surprised how many of them will say, "You know what? I haven't thought about that, but tell me more." Okay. Okay. So that's that's the okay. if, if I were you, that's the first thing I would do because I mean, you want to talk about cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you go to, you go to Craigslist yeah. and just you know the neighborhood you're interested in, anything that comes up for rent, give them a call. Uh, th- there's other things that you can do too, of course. If you're if you're really stuck on the idea of a of a two family, and not that that's a bad thing, I think it's a good idea. Uh, you can pick out the neighborhood that you're interested in. And do you know that you can go online and you can find out all of the two families in that area? Oh, now I can do that. Yeah, see, and I now can now that. you can contact those owners. And particularly what I would look for, Dee Dee, in that case, the, let's say you were looking for, I don't know, pick a neighborhood, Oakley, okay? Mm-hmm. You can find all the two families in Oakley, and you can also see from the tax rolls when those people bought their properties. I would start out by writing a little handwritten note to the ones who've owned their properties for more than 20 years, mm-hmm. saying, my name is Dee Dee, I'm, I'm looking for a house to live in, I was wondering if you wanted to sell yours. That's all it would say. And your phone number, of course. And then when they call you, you can interview them about, you know, how much would you want for your house, and would you be willing to take payments, all that sort of stuff. And of course, the reason you're looking for the ones who've owned for more than 20 years is their houses are likely to be paid off. Oh, so this would just be money for them. Uh, yep. Yep. So, okay. yeah, you've got you've got a you've got a lot of options, Dee Dee. I mean, what you're what you're thinking of is a really good idea. And again, you might find yourself buying more properties than you thought you were going to. <laughs> <laughs> but again, first learn about the owner financing, then figure out what you want, and then contact the potential sellers. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Dee Dee. Thank you very much for your call. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week. You can give us a call like Dee Dee did at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the Hamilton County Park District, now taking reservations for your holiday party. They can help you plan a catered event at a number of locations, from modern banquet centers and nature centers to their scenic park lodges in Winton Woods, Sharon Woods, and Woodland Mound on the east side. Your Hamilton County Park District. It's a less stressful way to celebrate the holidays. Details at 521-PARK. That's Corporate Guest Services, 513-521-PARK, or at greatparks.org. And we take a check on traffic now. We have uh, some problems on on the expressways for whatever reason tonight. An accident north 75, north of 74. Also a disabled north 75 at Mitchell in the center lane. South 75, an accident at Shepherd. Over on 71, uh, two problems, although they could be the same problem. One is 75 north at Smith, and then 175 north at the Norwood Lateral. That's kind of the same area. It could be the same problem. Accident West 6th Street at Central, and an accident US 42 south of Fields Ertle. But an earlier accident, 275 at Kentucky 16, has been cleaned up. 
Among the delays out of downtown, northbound 75 slows up in the usual spots around Harrison and again at Paddock and GE. And uh, eastbound 275 slower than usual, Montgomery heading toward Loveland. Southbound 75 slows up at the Brent Spence Bridge. Your forecast tonight, partly cloudy with a low of 42. Uh, partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of only 52 degrees. That's a lot colder than this today was. Uh, on Friday, uh, partly cloudy, a high of 55, and then maybe 62 for Saturday and Sunday. Right now, we're at 68 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's Question and Answer Week. We're also doing the top five ways to stop living paycheck to paycheck. We've already talked about using creative finance to buy a rental. And now we've actually talked about it at great length with Didi. Also, the possibility of borrowing money from your 401k to buy a rental. Uh, number three way of not living paycheck to paycheck anymore is to do something along the lines of flipping lease options. Lease options are another way of buying properties creatively, as many of you know. And the, the the standard strategy has always been to lease option a property at X dollars with a very small down payment and rent it at Y dollar, uh, 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 rent from the owner at Y dollars and then turn around and add money to the purchase price and the rental, hold it for five or six years, make your big money when the buyer refinances. A lot of folks now are in the position where the hundred dollars a month or so that that sort of deal actually creates in the higher end properties which is what we usually lease option is just not enough to go through the four or five years of holding on to the property in between so there's this new strategy out there that wendy Patton is uh sort of the inventor of and is out teaching folks how to do called uh, the lease option flip and the idea here is you get the property under contract for X dollars with Y dollars a month rent, and you sell it for X dollars plus, say, three or 4000 bucks. And all you do is facilitate the lease option so that you're taking the upfront payment and the buyer and the seller are then put together. So you're not adding any money to the monthly payment for the buyer, which, of course, helps him to be able to afford it. And um, it's a, literally a no-money-down strategy that can create three, 4,000 bucks per deal with absolutely no money involved. So that is our number three way of no longer living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, the number two way is extend this whole creative financing concept out to your friends and family who maybe do have money sitting around. If So, okay, you don't have a 401k, you don't have a big IRA. Do you know somebody who does? Could you joint venture with them? Could you say, look, I got the education. I went to wmkvfm.org and went halfway down the page and clicked on the sign up for OREA thing and came to the OREA convention, which, by the way, is not just for Ohioans on November 12th, uh, 11th, 12th, and 13th. And um, so I know how to buy a house and I know how to fix it and I know how to sell it. And let somebody else be your money person. Let, let someone in your family actually fund all of that stuff and then sell the property retail. Yeah, you can still do that. Sell the property retail for a 
much larger profit. Usually retail deals in the Midwest will net you fifteen to twenty thousand dollars after all expenses and on the coasts it's boy you wouldn't touch a retail deal for less than forty or fifty thousand bucks. And yeah, now you're gonna split it. You're gonna split it with your friend or family member who actually financed it, but come on. Would you rather have half of fifteen or all of nothing? Don't forget other people's money as a way to stop living paycheck to paycheck. We're going to go back to the questions here because we are starting to get some questions via email at askvina at gmail.com. This one is from Marcus in central New Jersey. He says, is it possible to utilize an IRA account to buy tax certificates? I'm considering moving my 401k to an IRA, but it's only a little bit above $20,000. So I was thinking I could increase my return using a strategy like this, considering it is not enough to invest in properties. Oh, Marcus, you make me laugh. It's only not enough to invest in properties because you live in New Jersey. You realize in Ohio, you could buy like 20 houses for that, right? <laughs> now you couldn't fix them, but yeah. thousand bucks a piece, you could buy 20 properties with that. Uh, yes, you absolutely can invest in tax lien certificates in your IRA. However, make sure that the company that you're moving the IRA to is a true self-directed custodian. They all say, oh yeah, we're self-directed, no problem. Here's the question that you ask before you move that money. Are you gonna let me invest in real estate? And if they say no, or if they say, God forbid, no, that's illegal, uh, that's not because it's illegal or you can't do it. It's because they are not a true self-directed custodian. They are a custodian who offers you a range of investments that you can choose. And they are all along the lines of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, things, in other words, that they make money for selling you. They don't make money for selling you tax lien certificates. Marcus. So make sure that you are with one of, I mean, really it's, it's, it's a, it's a double handful at most of the self-directed IRA custodians in the country before you move your money. So yes, but yes, you can absolutely do that. And of course, as you already know, or you wouldn't have asked the question, tax lien certificates can be incredibly profitable. Some states offer interest rates on those as high as 24%. Remember, though, Marcus, that there is the chance that you are going to not get paid and you're going to end up foreclosing on the property, which hopefully will be a good day. Hopefully that will be an even more profitable day for you than if the thing had been paid off. But you better make sure that you that you like the property you're buying the certificate on. That's that's all I'm saying. Don't don't run out and buy tax lien certificates on a bunch of vacant scrubland, assuming that someday someone will actually make that tax lien certificate good because it's just not true. Uh, Let's see. Okay, that's a test. Uh, Jennifer in Cincinnati says, is there a way to do back-to-back closings when dealing with bank-owned properties? If not, how do you handle this transaction when closing a wholesale bank-owned property? Um, Gosh, Jennifer, back-to-back closings, if if they are truly back-to-back closings. In other words, you brought the money to buy the property in closing number one, and then you're turning around and selling the property in closing number two. No problem. Uh, The old double closings, where it's actually your buyer who's bringing the money to close the deal in closing one, and then you just sell it to him in closing two. Can't do those in Ohio anymore. Can't do those in most states anymore. The funding for the first closing has to come from somebody different than the person who's actually buying the property at the end. 
a really common way of handling these closings right now is through something that has really only happened in about the last mm, two to three years. Eh, it's probably been around a little bit longer than that, but uh, it, it's it's only it's only been called this for at least for the past two to three years, and that is something called transactional funding. And transactional funding is where you uh, borrow money literally for just 24 hours or so. Uh, it's a third a third party funder, a transactional funder, will actually loan you the money to do the first closing. So that's fine, right? It's coming from a third party, no problem. And then you only get the money for like the next few hours until you sell the property. Now, the cost of transactional funding is high relative to what you are used to. It is, I've seen anywhere from two to three and a half points. So Jennifer, let's say you're buying the REO for $50,000 and you're selling it for $55,000 that same day. Uh, you're going to pay maybe three points or $1,500 for that $50,000 you're borrowing. So your profit is actually only going to be 3500 so uh, there's plenty of transactional funders out there. You can certainly Google them. Uh, they're they're everywhere. The one thing is you already have to have the buyer loaned up, lined up. This isn't this isn't funding for a week or two while you find a buyer. So hopefully, Jennifer, that was the answer you were looking for. Our last way of our five ways. Number one way to stop living paycheck to paycheck: wholesale properties. There's folks out there who are buying up properties right and left like you absolutely would not believe uh, that are not retail buyers. They are investor buyers. Investor buyers are out there looking for those bargain properties. And if you can find them for them and you can put them under contract like Jennifer does and sell them, you can add, even in the Midwest, five to $7,000 a month to your income. And that's just doing one deal a month if you're in a more expensive market, you can expect ten, fifteen, maybe twenty thousand dollars per transaction. How would that change your life? So learn to wholesale a property. If the problem is you're living paycheck to paycheck, go buy a house. There's so many good deals out there. There's so many good ways to add money to your pocketbook. Don't forget that you can learn all about these at the Ohio RIA Convention. You can come to the Ohio RIA Convention by going to wmkvfm.org. Go halfway down the page. Click on OREA Convention. It's 99 bucks. It's a donation to Public Radio. Gosh, it's so good in so many ways, and it's coming up so fast. Hopefully, we'll see you there. We will definitely see you next week. When we come back, we'll have more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And until then, happy investing. WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Time now for Local 12 News at 6. Johnson's family is angry with how the money has been split up. Local 12's Joe Webb has been following this story since page 